Virtual orthopedic training in Africa is a clearly an important issue, and there are a number of new perspectives in this, in this uh, arena. In 2020, or if 2020 has taught us anything, it's been a big reminder that we must rapidly adopt technology to ensure high quality training. Virtual education, virtual meetings, and virtual orthopedics has become the new normal around the world. The big question remains, will we return to our old ways as physical distancing policies loosen? Or will we continue to innovate in the use of virtual communication? Let's take a deep dive today with a highly interactive and small group discussion on this issue. Let me introduce a friend and colleague, uh, Edward Karande, who's an orthopedic surgeon in Kampala, Uganda, and currently serves as the executive member of the Orthopedic Society of Uganda. Welcome, Edward. Thank you, Mr. Moore Bandari. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. So please go ahead. All right. So um, uh, my name is Dr. Edward Chironde. I am an orthopedic surgeon currently at Mulago Hospital. It's a national referral in the capital city of Uganda, that is Kampala. Uh, Uganda is a small country in the East African uh, part of uh, the African continent. And uh, we serve a population of uh, over 40 million people. I'm glad to be part of this uh, discussion today. And uh, with me, I'm joined by a friend and a colleague by the names of Dr. Jean-Paul Wacher. He trained at Makerere University, which is also in Kampala, Uganda. He's a trained orthopedic surgeon. And he uh, was a surgeon, he was a doctor previous to that in uh, Congo, which is uh, very big country in Africa, in the central part of Africa. And uh, following his training, he's been serving both the populations in Congo and Uganda as an orthopedic surgeon. And I'm glad to introduce him to you, John Paul. Thank Happy you day. very much, Dr. Edward Kironde. Uh, I'm glad to be with you here. Uh, doctor is uh, also my mentor. Uh, as I was a res resident in Mulago National Referral Hospital. Um, I'm currently practicing in a private orthopedic center called Ultima Trauma and Orthopedic Center in Kampala. So uh, I'm glad to be here and uh, I'll go straight away to the points of our discussion. Um, when talking of uh, virtual training, I'm looking at it in two, two different angles. The first one, I consider it in the angle of education whereby the learner and the trainer, they are interacting using software and being into different location. I'm also looking at it in another angle of purely training, surgery being a profession whereby we need to master something using our hands. There is also a situation whereby we are creating a simulated environment. And uh, now there is an interaction between a computer and the learner to acquire some skill. So now coming to the topic, what is the situation here in Africa? This situation of pandemic of COVID-19 has taught us a lot. And at the end, I will share my little bit experience during this period. And whereby 
we've come to realize all of us that virtual training is really a necessity. So here in Africa, there is that need for virtual training, training for several reasons. When I take it into the angle of uh, training the residents or training healthcare personnel in the angle of uh, virtual reality, we've come to realize that there is a need because the current residents don't have enough exposure when they complete their studies. And also, there is also that aspect that the trainers are few and uh, most of them located in urban centers whereby accessibility to them is not really easy and there are a lot of barriers. It can be financial, it can be economical or other, other things. So interaction with, uh, between uh, trainers and learners have become a necessity and I'll try to give several examples to uh, illustrate that. Uh, the foundation of uh, surgical training for century has been see one, do one, and teach one. Now, when we consider it in our situation, this is no longer working. The needs of uh, surgeons is really increasing due to the growing of our population. So we need more surgeons, we need more residents. And at the end of the day, in our current situation, we don't have enough exposure during the training. So you don't have enough cases to see, you don't have enough cases to do. And uh, at the end of the day, there is a gap. So there is that need of improving. And we can improve it using different methods. And virtual orthopedic comes in to try to bridge that gap. We can do it using that aspect of education or using that aspect of simulation. Education, we have specialists trained with enough experience with knowledge located in different centers and using some softwares, they can interact with the learners and exchange experience and uh, breed, try to, 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 to bridge that gap. On the other hand, which I will come to that, which is really uh, something almost uh, inexistent, doesn't exist here in, uh, on the ground in Africa, the simulation whereby the resident who didn't have enough time to have exposure during his training can access some tools some simulation as it is used in uh, aeronautics, the flight, uh, flight simulation, which is a necessity because people are handling the life of passenger. That same thing can also be transferred to orthopedics or to medicine to try to bridge that gap of exposure. And at the end of the day, the surgeons or the resident will be confident to go and do something on its own. There is a study which was published in 2017 by Brian George, and the study was talking of readiness of, for independent practice. 
And they come to realize after five years of training of residents, 30.7% of them, they are not able to practice surgery independently. So there is a gap, there is a gap. And there is a need of now interaction. There's a need for interaction because after training those people, they have to come and perform surgeries on their own. And uh, that virtual orthopedic will come and try to bridge uh, that gap. And uh, I want just to share a little bit of experience which I've learned this during this period of lockdown, being in Kampala and having my heart back home in Congo, uh, me and uh, some residents who are doing neurosurgery in uh, National Referral Hospital of Mulago, we initiated an online course on trauma to French people in Congo and all over Africa. People were speaking French and uh, from April of this year up to now, we have uh, uh, reached 14 sessions of training on trauma in patients, especially the polytrauma situation, whereby we are trying to update uh, doctors dealing with trauma on simple principles which are not yet practiced like ATLS, like damage control, like trauma in uh, elderly population and all of that, those aspects. And it is this time of lockdown which had created that situation and we have created an online course which can be found on uh, Neurosurgical TV which is a website run by Dr. John Bennett from the USA. And every time we're giving the, uh, the course, it is recorded live on YouTube and on Facebook. So it has really helped a lot uh, the people there on the ground to be updated on how to handle trauma cases. And even we are trying to give some uh, type of certificate. So, so that one was possible virtually as here in Uganda and other uh, renowned specialists in other countries like South Africa, like Zimbabwe, like France, like Belgium. So that Uncle, was really- My apologies. Are you able to let me know when you want me to switch to the next slide? Yes, yes. Uh, you you, you go, go ahead. Next slide. Okay, so here. Next, next, next. So I'm here sharing my experience. Perfect. And uh, you can find the online course in French, uh, which was designed for Congo and other countries. And that one was an initiative which started with the current lockdown of COVID-19. Being in different location, we have been able to update uh, our professional on how to handle trauma cases using virtual uh, training orthopedic. And uh, the other site, which is um, the simulation, from my experience, I've not yet seen it on the ground, whereby the trainer has an interaction with a software or a computer to have a reality on a certain procedure before going and perform it on uh, the patient. And I think that one should be a new perspective for, our, uh, for Africa, taking into consideration the situation we are in, the current situation of uh, our training. And there is a simple, simple software, simple application, which I came across and I'm using, touch surgery. It's something which tries to help surgeons to have 
an interaction to have a simulation of the procedure before you go in, which can help. It is a, a, a type of virtual training which can help the surgeon, which can help the resident to improve the skill before going and practicing the, the, the procedure. So I, I, I was trying to be a little bit fast to present that situation and I will leave uh, the other things for discussion, uh, for interaction, to give more details, to give more experience. So I want to stop here. I don't want to take much of the time. I want to leave the rest to uh, Dr. Edward Kironde to also give his talk and uh, compliment me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, John Paul. Uh, and uh, to begin with uh, virtual learning in Africa, in particular, Sub-Saharan Africa is a new concept. And uh, I would look at it as a spectrum, a spectrum which involves virtual, virtual learning in uh, theoretical issues and uh, knowledge, all the way to a spectrum of virtual learning that is hands-on, practical, involving skills labs, just like my colleague Jean Paul talked about, involving simulation of surgeries and uh, probably also examination of patients. So virtual learning in Africa, and particularly in Sub-Saharan Africa, has not been around for a long time. Uh, my Ugandan experience has been uh, only four years old. Uh, we started a virtual learning uh, platform in 2017. And the need for this arose from a limitation in access to uh, textbook knowledge, uh, research work, due to limited access to uh, international libraries. So as a small group of uh, orthopedic surgeons and residents at Mulago Hospital, um, we managed to come together and uh, start a, a virtual learning group. And uh, with the help of uh, my mentors as uh, a fellow in Canada, from 2016 to 2017, uh, managed to have uh, uh, moderators such as uh, Professor Brad Petrissa, Professor O'Brien, Dr. Jeff Porter, and uh, Dr. De Desmond Quark offer time to us to have virtual learning sessions with them as moderators and uh, small PowerPoint presentations and case-by-case -case discussion that we had with the residents at Molago. And uh, we managed to have at least three sessions a week, each, each week for about 10 months. So those were over 100 sessions a year from 2017. And from this, we managed to pick up a few areas to learn that have come in handy now that we're in a situation that is limiting travel during this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, some of the key points that we learned from uh, our steps taken to initiate virtual learning, again, at the beginning of this spectrum where we're just improving the theoretical knowledge before going through that spectrum to starting virtual hands-on uh, education, we learned that it's important important to consider the following as a plan 
the first was a selection of a venue. A venue uh, of convenience involved a quiet room large enough to uh, accommodate all the participants. And uh, this was, these were the keynote presenter as well as uh, other members who are willing to take part in the discussion. Um, we had about uh, 10 to 20 participants per session. And at the time there was no social distancing by 2017. So the room we had was adequate. Uh, but the other option that we've come to learn in this uh, pandemic period is that uh, the connection can also be done by individuals setting up their own connection, connection points via phone, laptop, and uh, personal computers. So these two options are very key in uh, planning and we found them very handy as we begin virtual learning in Africa. The second is uh, timing. We had the challenge. Um, our moderators were either on the West Coast of uh, North America or on the East Coast. So that is a time difference ranging from seven hours to 12 hours away from the uh, East African time. And that meant either one group was going to sleep or the other was waking up. And uh, in order to achieve harmony, we had uh, pre-communications uh, via email or WhatsApp to notify and confirm the times of the discussions. And uh, to make it clear, each discussion was set for an hour, strictly an hour. So another key point in planning was timing and is still very important. Uh, the next uh, was in, is internet connectivity. We've had a big challenge of uh, a very efficient and reliable internet connection uh, in a country like Uganda, whereby the internet speeds are uh, varying from slow to fast. So it's very good, to, very difficult to find a reliable internet service provider. Uh, the cost of uh, connectivity uh, to the internet also varies between service providers. Some have been very expensive while others are moderately affordable. But considering the co competition amongst uh, internet service providers, we've been able to get uh, affordable internet connection. And this has helped and enabled us to communicate. However, some of the challenges we faced per connection involved uh, interruptions in connectivity, either due to weather or very slow speeds, eventually uh, leading to a disconnection of the connection. Um, the third, uh, the, the next uh, area that's key in the planning is uh, uh, considering the virtual learning resources. So these are the audio, audio and visual aids. Uh, we had, uh, fortunately, a very good uh, laptop uh, with a good camera providing a good visual system, but we'd have loved to have something more efficient, maybe a projector and a video camera to capture every member uh, participating in the room. Uh, amongst the audio aids, a good microphone and good speaker system are very key. We found that uh, even in areas where the environment was not quiet enough, these played a key role in uh, helping with the communication and maintaining the flow of a discussion. The next point we noted that skin learning uh, virtually is selecting a very interesting topic, one that keeps all participants very attentive and uh, uh, very involved in the discussion. Uh, 
again, the group involved residents and uh, surgeons. So it was key to make sure that everyone had something to learn and that the topic chosen was one that has been uh, not routinely uh, handled in depth at uh, the institution of learning. So the additional moderation from an expert in the field gave the participants more interest to take part in the discussion. And then lastly, having a skilled moderator, keynote speaker, as well as participants helped a lot in uh, uh, making sure that there was a continuity, a very good flow of a discussion. Uh, these are the areas uh, I would say we found to be very important in the beginning of this spectrum of virtual learning. And uh, from the African perspective, I believe virtual learning is here to stay. At the beginning, our meetings looked awkward while everyone was having the routine ward rounds and case-by-case uh, uh, -case patient discussions in the clinic or in the ward. The virtual learning was a bit strange, even to the senior participants. But at the end of the day, COVID has changed everyone's perspective. Everyone is using Zoom and everyone is getting on board with virtual learning. Thank you very much.